right into our lesson. Grab your Bibles. And we're going to be doing a series on Galatians. And today our title of our lesson for our media folks is The Spiritual Life. Can you say that with me? The Spiritual Life. And we're beginning with, and they're helping me so we can let them run it. That will cause a few snags, but at least we'll have it. And we're going to look at Galatians 5 and 22. So if you would, let's turn. And we're looking at several aspects of the life of the Spirit that are described by Paul in various places, but right here, especially in Galatians, as the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of of the spirit. Now you can see, let's see what comes up. So you can see that I've depicted it as different fruit like I mean I didn't take that picture, but I I'm using it. So there's a whole row of fruit. You can see that. And I don't know how many are there, but there's enough and probably the original picture had all uh, more fruit. Of course, this scripture has nothing to do with the fruit that we're looking at there. It's just a representation of a plant will produce the fruit that it was made to produce. And so, for example, if you want apples, you you don't go to an orange grove because apples aren't going to be growing in an orange grove. But that's not what Galatians says. See, that's how we know these are nothing like this kind of fruit. So let's, let's go to Galatians uh, 5. And in my overlay... Even though I'm not using the computer, they're doing it for me today. We're going to look at what is known as the NIV, and that's New International, which is a real modern translation that I, I don't always like it. Sometimes it's a little less than uh, uh, what I like in a translation. I, I like the authorized version a lot, even though it's older and so on. And it is the authorized is the most popular translation ever in the world. It has just passed 400 years, so it's been updated many times. There was a recent one that was called the New King James, because sometimes they call it the King James, because he's the king in England that, that authorized it and so on. So it became the authorized version of the English world and the most popular Bible in the history of the world. So when you say the Bible is popular in all these ways, except back in the time of the Romans and the Greeks, there has been no more popular language than English. English has become the universal language. And even though there are many, that's not a slight on anyone, it's not a slight on Russian. I was wondering yesterday if my granddaughter was speaking Russian or English. I, I think it was Russian, but I wasn't sure. And she sings in Russian, and she she's only, what, 18 months old. So I'm not slighting Russian, I'm not slighting French or Spanish or anything. It's simply a fact that English has become the universal language. Now, that may be evolving and changing and so on and so forth. But when the other translations who they people begin to say that's older, that's hard. I could not understand that. And so they begin to translate. Unfortunately, in the translation business. Right. See, I, I have a degree in Greek. So this is something that I think about a lot. And I teach Greek, and I teach Hebrew, and I have a, langu a language degree. And then I went on and got my master's degree, and I, and I continued 
my language degree all the way through my master's program. Then I got a PhD and I continued language study. So in other words, I'm very much involved. I've done translating, so I'm, I'm heavily involved in it. But what I'm telling you is that just because someone has translated the Bible doesn't mean you're going to necessarily like what they did. Because you can, in your translation, you can fiddle with the Greek or the Hebrew in a way that actually changes the meaning. And you have to understand one more thing. I know, you, I know some of you are saying, Brother French, I just woke up. I, my, I only got a half a cup. Okay, so I'll try to be real careful here. But sometimes people do things for a motive, and they are actually trying to change things in the Bible. So when that happens, or you recognize it in a translation... For example, the NIV, which I'm going to quote here in just a moment, the NIV has a what I call a, a theory of translation that I completely disagree with. For example, now you say, well, then why are you quoting it? Well, I didn't say that I didn't like it at all. I just disagree with the theory. The theory leads to all kinds of problems. And the theory is this, that you don't translate word for word like man. See, that's a man. There was a man standing there. Well, you don't translate word for word. You say something else. For example, instead of saying the Lamb of God, the theory is called dynamic equivalent. So I look for a dynamic equivalent in other languages. It doesn't have to be a lamb. It could be a pig. Not, Not likely would be a pig. Although I'm using that because they did, in fact, choose the word pig in one society, in one culture, because they didn't know what lambs were. So in their minds, if the culture was not familiar, now we all know that they did know what a lamb was, all right? We know they really could have learned. You could have just like said to a child, that's a lamb. And they would have said, oh, that's a lamb. Oh, my goodness, what's that growing on? Oh, that's, 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 that's I was going to say fur. That's wool. Or what, what is it that grows on a, whatever that grows on a lamb? I'm going to call it wool. Is that all right? I'm sure it's not called wool, but. So they translated the pig of God. I disagree with that. That is not the purpose of a translator to go in. And and another thing that they do is when they don't like what the original says, they'll straighten it out so it says the way they want it to say it. Well, I don't agree with that either. I don't agree with that at all. I believe that God gave us the word in the original so that we could read it and translate it clearly. And that's what the King James trans. That's why the King James is so popular. And that's why 80% of all people in the world that speak English still use the King James Bible, even though there are hundreds of other Bibles. Everybody say praise the Lord. Okay, so we're looking here in the authorized at verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit Is everybody with me there? I think it's on the overlay. Here we go. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Okay, that's the first one. The fruit of the Spirit. That is the way you know that this this plant or this growth is producing properly is that it produces love. But that's not the only thing that it produces. It doesn't just produce apples. It also produces oranges that is to say the fruit of the spirit is multi-fruited it's more than one thing that the spirit produces in a person some people will say well i'm very loving but i lie all the time well hey (laughs) hey wait a minute you know i'm a murderer but i love my wife 
That, that doesn't work like that. You, you, the fruit of the Spirit is multi-fruited. You, all of these fruit are produced when it's a living tree. Let's just use the word tree for a moment. So let's read it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, in the context of Galatians, that final few words are very important, but we will leave that. And we will look at the nine words, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those are the, what we typically refer to as the nine fruit. Now, the reason I want to read from the NIV, and I see right here, on both sides, I put these little ellipses so you can see. I took all the other part out so we could see the words. See, here's the difference. I numbered them here. Love, joy, peace, long suffering. We've read that. All right, love, joy, peace, patience. All right, that's pretty obvious. And then it begins to retranslate. And how many notice that I multicolored this word? And what is that word? Faithfulness. All right, so some of us are actually awake. All right, so love, joy, peace, patience. All that's exactly like it is here. We don't usually talk about long-suffering a lot anymore. Then the NIV goes with this translation, which starts here at number five. Kindness, goodness, same. Faith. Notice I did this. Because in a moment, we're going to look at, is this, is this the best way to go with that? Is faithfulness and faith, are they exactly the same thing? Did they mean faithfulness? We'll, we'll, we'll take a look and see. And then gentleness and self-control. And I'm about to start using that, and I don't even have control of it. All right, so now let's go to the next one, and let's look at this, at this tree. All right, and, and the first thing, now this, this, I don't know who did this. Some artist, I found it. It's interesting. Don't, I hope you're not troubled by it. It's just an artist depiction of a tree that has a bit of a human form in it so that it blends the idea of the human, the spirit in a human being and the, and the fruit of a natural vine or bush or tree and so on. I'm going to use the word tree. So the tree must grow first and that's, I mean that scientifically, that you can't have a fruit that just grows of itself. The fruit grows from the tree. And therefore, if you're going to have fruit in your life, then you have to grow as an individual. Can you say praise the Lord? And so that's what we do. We, someone said, well, Brother Finch, I'm not perfect, or you're not perfect, or nobody's perfect, and so on. And, and all, every one of those expressions are true. But that's not the point. The point is not, am I perfect, or am I God, am I Jesus? No, I'm not. But I can grow, and I can become like the Lord. Because the Spirit can cause me to grow. Similar, not like that picture, but you can see what I'm saying. The symbolism is the same. That the, the Spirit begins to work in me and I begin to do the things that the Spirit would do. See? Someone say, well, I, I, you know, I did real good. I prayed for an hour, but then I went and whatever. I did something I shouldn't do and so on. And, and uh, we know that, that people will work on their lives and attempt to be what God wants them to be. I'm not talking about, okay, are you perfect? Are, are you the most loving person that ever was? That's, that's, that's not what we're looking at. What we're looking at is the way that we can grow into. Now, 
If, for example, you beat your children, I mean you are an abuser, but then you say, but I'm, uh, I'm also very self-disciplined, which is a biblical quality to be self-disciplined, then you're in trouble because your self-discipline is not a result of the spirit if you're abusing your children. And so you say, Brother Prince, that's a, I'm trying to wake a few people. I'm just trying to be as, as clear as possible here that the working of the spirit will produce these things. I don't mean in absolute perfection, but it will, they will work themselves in our lives. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. And so on the right side, it says spiritual growth results in the spirit's control of our lives as we surrender ourselves to the spirit of God and it takes control of our lives then the multiple fruits of the spirit work in us and so I'm I believe this morning that everybody that's listening to me is uh, setting in this sanctuary because you you truly want to grow in the spirit you want the life of the spirit in you so that some people, for example, well, well, let's just keep going. Let's look at, let's go to the next one. Now let's look at it. Let's translate it. Let's not even worry about the King James. Let's just translate each one and let's look at an actual tree and let's not try to turn it into a person. And, and so what I've done is I've looked at this idea of spiritual life and I've put the names, for example, let's start on the left. Let's just try this. I know some of you aren't awake, but even if just two or three do it, it it'll kind of give us a little, a little something here. Let's start on the, on the uh, left here. We'll start at the top, and I'm looking. Okay, you can see that because we put it on a different computer that it pushed some of the letters over. So that R, we know that R is not supposed to be like that. But, but let's start over here, and let's, we're going to look at these translated differently, and let's think about them for just a moment. The first one, let's read the first one. Godly regard for people. In other words, we could say it several ways, but a godly attitude toward others. If you hate people, that's not a godly regard. I mean, if you can't stand people because of their color or because of their language or because of any reason whatsoever, you need a godly regard. In other words, your regard, your concern, your attitude towards others should be godly. That's the purpose of living the Christian life. In fact, I think living the Christian life is the most wonderful thing in the world. I don't care what they say. Living for God is the greatest thing that ever was. My dad was an alcoholic. Couldn't stop doing it. I couldn't drag him out of the bars. And I've had people say to me, you know, even though I've got a PhD and all these things, my, well, you're just doing that. That's just your religious crutch because your father was an alcoholic. And I wanted to say, Okay, then I, maybe I should have just jumped off of a cliff or something. Maybe that would have made you feel. In other words, if you do something good in the midst of it, well, that's horrific. See, we, we, our culture, our culture needs God desperately. Now, my dad now, of course, is Holy Ghost filled and so on. I'm talking about years ago. All right, so our attitude, God works on our godly attitude towards others let's look at the next one shall we inner assurance okay that was pretty good inner assurance a sense of peace (laughs) now i'm going back to the king a sense of inner assurance that that somehow has anybody ever been there when you you didn't know how it was going to happen but god gave you an assurance hallelujah 
There have been times I thought, there's no way I'm going I'm, to, I'm, it's going to happen, it's coming, it's, but God gave me a peace. See? So it's a, we'll call that an assurance. Or let's, what's the next one? Being kind. Now, this it's translated several ways, and we'll, we'll see how close we get to that today. But the idea of kindness is no longer, let's see. I'm not sure how the culture is viewing kindness right at the moment. But for the most part, the, the, let's say the, the vast majority of folks in our culture today, kindness is highly overrated. Being kind and, and caring is considered weak and silly. That's the kind of culture we're in. Now, there are a lot of folks who, who love weak and silly. And so that's in our culture as well. So please understand what I'm trying to say. But what has happened is our culture is becoming more and more brash, more and more evil, and less and less concerned about other people. They, they're not concerned about it. They're concerned about one person. That's what's happening in our culture because that's what sin does to us. I mean, oh my, oh my, okay, here we go. And then the, in between the branches, the one there after being kind is what? Believing trust. Trust that says, I'm going to trust God. Now, some people will say this. I hear this quite a bit. I, you know, I can believe God. It's the people, it's the preachers, it's the Christians and so on. That's, they talk like that. In other words, God's way out there somewhere and I, I trust him. But nobody that's living for God, I don't trust them. Which is, is, which is a bunch of malarkey. Is that, a, is, is that word, I hope that word doesn't translate somewhere bad. And then the final one on that side is what? Humility of heart. Now this is the most rejected of all the fruits of the Spirit. The idea that someone should be humble, that someone should, I mean just think of the people that you, now I want you to think with me. See, I, I, I want so much to teach this that, that I, I will not get through it. It just, there's so much to be said about it. But think about the people that you know that were, that, uh, that accomplished great things in humility. For example, immediately as I was saying it, I thought of Dr. King. Here's a man that said, nope, we're not going out there. We're not blowing buildings up. We are going to do this. But was he weak? No, he wasn't weak. That wasn't weakness. I can't think of a person. I can't think of a person that had more of a sense of humility. And yet what's happening in our culture is forget humility. It's, it's, we're all out for ourselves. But humility is a God-given fruit that comes into our lives and it causes us. And, and you know what? Listen. Oh, 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 Jesus, if I dare say that. Oh, please, Lord. Arrogance in the Christian faith is considered perfectly fine. See, you, you, if you think you're great and you hate other people, man, you're, I'm cool, I'm rich. Riches and arrogance go hand in hand, and we're in a culture that says that's no big deal. They're rich. They have a right to do that. For example, we give Hollywood stars and rich sports stars, and all, we give them all a pass and say it doesn't matter because, ooh, they're cool. They're really, and, and, and what's actually happening is it destroys our kids because they see what they're doing ripping their clothes off and everything else they're doing and the lifestyle of immorality that they're living and they start wanting to emulate it. Man, they, and especially the music because music is a very powerful tool. And I believe in music, but I don't believe in using it in an ungodly way. Now I have people say, you Pentecostals are shouting and dancing and, and you're bebopping and so on. 
I've had one person say, I don't even believe that's godly worship because they were so used to our God. I said, well, what makes that holy? Because you're singing it like that. I mean, I, I want to respect it if that's how you like it. That's the way you like it. But why would you condemn someone that says, our God is a mighty God, hallelujah. And you want to get in there and worship God. I believe in music, but it should not be used in an ungodly way. Our attitude toward God. Now let's go over to the right. Let's read them together. Abiding, happiness, endurance amidst ill Treatment, that's what that word is supposed to be right there. And then upright behavior and a self-controlled spirit. And I would say the last, I put it last, well, for a bunch of reasons, but it's last in the list, of course. But a self-controlled spirit, I think, is the most difficult. You say, well, I think love, I think that's the humility, that's the hard. No, I, I think personally, it's my own opinion just, just take it for what it's worth, that a self-controlled spirit is the most difficult to obtain. In other words, all kinds of things may be growing in your life, but to be able to control your spirit, oh, oh my goodness. And you know what I find is people say, well, I was serving God, then I wanted to smoke a cigarette. And so I'm just giving up. Hey, I came from a, 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 nobody's, I I can't put that on tape. I've got family, I I controlled my spirit. I've got family members who I'm not going to name. So you can't call them and say it's on a tape. It's just not going to happen. Who have the Guinness book of world records for smoking. On several levels. One is the smoking the longest cigarette made the fastest. There went a three-foot cigarette and they just sucked it down. They've got the world record for finding cigarettes in the gutter and re-smoking them. Now we're in a day when people even, of course all the folks I'm talking about now are filled with the Holy Ghost and, and haven't smoked in years. But I'm talking about a family that the entire thing was... Fill this room up with smoke. Let's all smoke and blow the smoke in this room as much as we possibly can. And the kids are all running around with mom, dad, uh, uncle. Is that you, uncle? I mean, they could smoke them. They could could smoke more. Like, I don't know what a pack holds, but whatever it is, they could smoke them so fast and they'd wad it up, point, get me a pack, go run and get me a pack and bring that in there. Short ones, fat ones, kinds that have filters on the end, kinds that got a little blue thing you stick on the end, the kind that have nothing, you just put it in your mouth and light it and smoke it. And I can tell you right now, there's not a nicotine habit in this world that God cannot deliver you from. There's not a drug that God cannot deliver you from. Praise God. Because I had family members hooked on all kinds. I wasn't. I got the Holy Ghost when I was 11 and I ended the cycle of alcoholism and I said, it's not going to happen. I've got, I've got more to do with my life than to be an alcoholic. But I want to tell you, there are folks that making it, they got eight of the, of, the, of the fruit of the Spirit. You're looking at me so funny. They got eight of the nine fruit 
And then they suddenly they do something. Oh, I got a, I got a whatever. And, and then they fail. And they just say, oh, I give up. I can't be. I don't have all nine of the fruit. Although they never were counting that. You understand what I'm saying. In other words, because they couldn't reach a level of perfection and keep climbing and, and reaching, they failed to even serve God at all. And they just say, oh, well, it's not worth it. The Christian life must not be. Let me tell you something, folks. The, the power of the Christian life is to get back up and keep going. But of course, confess your sins. You don't get up and say, well, I, man, I kill people, but I'm still a Christian. That, not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about getting up and repenting and going forward. Okay, so let's go to the next one. Now, let's look at these couple pictures here. And Oh, is that next? Okay, I don't know what's the one that we were working on up there. All right, let me find that. All right. Nope. We had an interesting, oh, here it is. All right, so let's look at, everybody say love. love. All right, so three words here that we can link to the idea of love and being loving. And so this is number one. Uh, we'll hopefully do more than just one. Been thinking about the spiritual life, how to become more spiritual, to have a spiritual life. Can we just lift our hearts and thank the Lord for what he has done in us and for his working in us today? Father, so many times it seemed impossible, and yet you've been working. You've been working on us, and we thank you, Lord. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name. All right, now, we're, we're going to, in this overlay, we're going to think about what love is and and these are definitions from the dictionary but let's think if if they really apply number one is to have concern can you say that word concern to have concern for someone else that's that's a loving action number two is to have in in this case i'm going to read it from the this is from a, a biblical lexicon on the word agape which is the greek word for love a godlike affection for others to have a god-given concern and affection for someone else and number three a god-like esteem so the spirit empowers us to be loving, to change our attitude. Someone that was unloving becomes a loving individual. Now, let's try the next one and see if it's correct. Okay, there we go. Now, we're looking here at just a picture, and that is um, the question of what, what causes these things to take place in our lives. We're going to compare it to, just like, G, just like Paul's doing here, that it's the fruit of the growth of the Spirit in our lives. Let's look here. just happens to be that I grabbed a, uh, some, <laughs> some pictures that someone took of the, of the growth of pineapple. All right, so that's what we have here. And, of course, the, the first thing that's essential is that the fruit has to be what? Cultivated. 
There has to be a, something, there's several things. I use the word cultivated so I don't have to pretend I'm a farmer and that I know one thing about growing. I know how to eat them, but I don't know how to grow them. I saw them when I was preaching in Hawaii. They got, I mean, the pineapple everywhere. I've seen that. And I know what they look like. And there's, there's a picture of one right there in Hawaii. But, of course, the, the point, the important thing before you get to the fruit and the benefit of the fruit, there has to be the cultivation of the plant itself. There has to be a way for the roots to grow and for that to be cultivated in a way that allows for growth. There will be no fruit if there's no growth in a person's life. Come on, let's lift our hearts and let's ask God. Father, what we're really looking for Lord, is not to have some, some that somebody looks at, but for the growth of the Spirit in our lives so we can produce what you want in our lives. Now, so, so it is. Now, let's go to the next one. But, but notice there that the roots go way down, and then there has to be the cultivating means that there has to be a way for that to work. For example, no, no, no. Okay, okay, that's good. This is good. All right. I'm trying to get you to see on Sunday morning. I realize I'm kind of, I'm digging into several things here and I'm digging around. I'm trying to plant and go. But if you try to grow your spiritual life, let's say, for example, you're trying to be spiritual and you're running around with a bunch of people that hate God and those are your best buddies and they, they can't stand God. You need to start thinking about whether you can grow your life in that environment. And, of course, the answer is you cannot. When you try to grow spiritually in an environment that's ungodly, let me tell you one of the most ungodly environments in our culture today. There are lots of them. You could say, well, Brother French, I can't imagine what you're going to say because there are so many things that are ungodly in our world and so on. And... I, I, I don't care if one single person agrees with me here. That makes no difference to me. The most ungodly culture in America today is given a name of a city in California called Hollywood. That culture itself produces every conceivable form of ungodliness. Now, I don't mean that's all they do. There are folks that are connected to that industry that are, that are not ungodly. There are some uh, Christian things and so forth, all kinds of uh, uh, capable people. But the culture itself has committed itself to producing things that are destructive to the Christian life. Therefore, you say to yourself, So what am I going to do? Well, I'm not going to fill my life. Would you, I just wonder, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Oh, my goodness. I'm trying to teach this, and I'm I'm just feeling like I'm wanting to preach. Lord, I'm not preaching. Would you run around? No, no, no. I want you to think you you might not, not, not like this at all. Would you run around with a murderer and know they murdered? If they came to you and said, I stuffed them in a trunk and I did this would you say oh well you know i don't want to judge anybody would you do that i, I, I just can't imagine it now you say well of course not that i might be in the trunk next or something like that so that's probably the wrong question but of course if you if you're constantly pouring hatred for example i want to okay well i mean my mind's being flooded with things that we've just said no to nope 
No, that's not, you're not, that's not coming in our home. That's not coming in here. We're not talking, you come right, sit right here. We are not talking about people like that. I don't care what the neighbors said. I don't care what they thought. That we don't treat people like that. We just said no to it. We didn't run around with people that hated other people. And we got to living for God and loving God. And we started loving everybody. Praise God. Anybody remember that old song makes me want to love everybody. So people I disagree with and I love them. But I'm not going to agree with them. I'm not going to let the culture, I'm not going to let Hitler walk up to me and say, you're going to be a Nazi. No, sir. No, sir. Someone was telling me this week about uh, Corey Ten Boom. You know, they found that they were hiding Jews in their attic. And there's a whole new episode of that story being revealed to the public now. But, of course, I went to the university where Corey Ten Boom, remember the picture of her, Sister French, in the main lobby of this university. It was a Christian college called in Chicago and uh, called Wheaton College, and there's a gigantic, I mean, that is, would you say it's about the size of that screen? Yeah, of Corey Ten Boom, sitting there with her Bible. Open. It's still there. You just walk in the Billy Graham Center. Yeah, it's in the Billy Graham Center. And they beat them and told them, we're going to kill these Jews. And, and the Christian said, I don't care what you do. That's not what I am. I'm going to love these people. You can threaten. And people said, why would you protect? You could save your own life. Okay. All right. I'm way over there. But oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Can we just love him a little bit? Let's just thank the Lord. Father, we love you today. Your word is true. We thank you for it. All right. So you uh, you don't let anything get in your life that's going to affect the growth of the spirit in your life or you shouldn't you should work on not letting it get into your life whatever it may be you may maybe ought to do a check and see and so that's what that flower was all about now let's go to the next one and uh let's let's uh, at least conclude on this first one i thought for sure i'd get further than this all right let's try one more that's it all right now we're looking at matthew are you able to read is that large enough that you can read it with me let's read it together love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully (laughs) use you and persecute you that's the that was and who said that anybody remember Uh, matthew chapter 5 who said that jesus said that now, all that flying fruit that's over the Bible there, I don't know where I found that. Somewhere I found the picture of flying fruit. It was a miracle. Flying over a Bible, and it just seemed really good here. But Jesus taught us. Now, let's go to one more, because I've got to stop. They're, they're hoping I will stop. And this will be, be the end right here. So love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. I, I'm uh, the, the idea that that's easy, of course, would be foolish. Let's say it like this. It's much easier to hate people that do you wrong because that's the natural response. But the spiritual response is to love people in spite of what they do, to love others and to love God. Do good to them that hate you. Now, we're, we're coming here to Matthew 7. There we are. All right. Therefore, 
all things, let, let's stand, I'm going to stop, here we go, I've got to turn, turn the thing loose, here we go, therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do unto you, do ye even so to them. In other words, treat other people the way you would want to be treated. And that's what Jesus taught. And that is the true fruit of the Spirit. Let's just love him, shall we? We're going to change the service. Father, thank you today for this look at the spiritual life. Lord, it's not easy sometimes and more and more in our world. It's, it's becoming a world that does not know the spiritual life. So help us to live it in spite of what others do and lift you up and praise you. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' wonderful name. Praise God.